Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, and I'm here with my first cup of coffee. It really is my first cup of coffee, though not quite as delightful as usual. Uh, before I forget, I will say that today is Thursday, November 14th. I, uh, so if you know that, we follow the keto diet as best we can. And so I usually make my latte as a brevet latte with half and half. Um, and it, it really is so good. And, you know, so many less carbs than milk. That's amazing to me. Or any of the alternatives as well. And I seem to do fine with dairy products. I seem to be one of those who is uh, perfectly all right with lactose, fortunately. Count my blessings there. But uh, this morning I did not have quite enough half and half to make the minimum mark on my uh, foamer, my frother. And it won't go unless there's enough in there. So I was kind of looking at alternatives and it's like, yeah, I don't want to add in water. <laughs> I mean, that sounds kind of gross, right? And, you know, David drinks almond milk and I thought almond milk and half and half are just not appealing. And sometimes almond milk gives me a weird feeling. It's one of the reasons I don't like to drink it. It kind of reacts with me badly. So, but we did have heavy whipping cream. So I thought, eh, what does it matter if I do the heavy whipping cream? You know, it's then it'll be like, instead of half and half, it'll be like, oh, wow, I was going to say one quarter to three quarters, but it's not, right? It, I would have to actually do math, and I'm not going to try to do that because it would require me not paying attention to driving and talking. <laughs> so it's like I'm already multitasking. I am on my way to Ryder Coffee this morning. Uh, I'm finally feeling 100% human again, which is really nice. Uh, so I'm hoping, hoping to get back into this book today. I was listening to Leslie Penelope's podcast this week. She's one of the few that I listen to regularly, but I, I very much enjoy her check-in. I was realizing one thing that I really like about her podcast is that it is positive. Even when she is talking about addressing struggles or difficulties, it's still with a positive bent. Uh, one of my great problems with, especially anything that wants to talk about romance, is that people often fall into making fun of or criticizing it. And I've written articles about this before. I, I'm not exactly sure what it is. I don't know if this comes from, if this happens in all genres. I sure notice it with anything romance related though, that people are, even when they say they love a thing, they'll start out loving it, but then fall into criticizing it. And I, I've theorized that it has something to do with us not having the language of praise, that our language of criticism is so thoroughly taught that we learn this in school and it's reinforced in many ways, that when you discuss a thing, you talk about where it falls short. And and I can kind of see it because there's only so many nice things that you could say about a thing. And after a while, people feel like they're gushing. 
and maybe because romance is something that is so uh, focused on the emotional experience that much of the reaction is emotional. And so you end up just saying, oh, I just loved it. I loved it so much. I just loved it. And, you know, obviously you can't say that for an hour. <laughs> so I've, you know, found other podcasts that I find really interesting, but I find that I don't want to go back to them necessarily because I don't want to hear things picked apart. Um, at least not in a negative way. I like things picked apart in thoughtful ways, you know, like why something does work. I think it's, I think it's hard. So anyway, I know I often reference Leslie's podcast, but I do feel like we are in a conversation. And she had mentioned listening to these daily posts on NaNoWriMo and me talking about my process and saying that I was coming from this very lovely Zen place. And I think... <laughs> I mean, yes, that's absolutely how I framed it. And when it was working great, that is how it feels. But I think that that's probably one of the misperceptions of the Tao is that, or, or even with trying to find delight and gladness in the world, you know, looking for the positive in the world, does not mean that there is not angst and difficulty. Um, it's, in some ways, Taoism is about learning to embrace both. When I was learning knife throwing, one of the key uh, principles of knife throwing was learning to enjoy missing the target as much as you enjoyed sticking the target, which is hard because we're so geared towards, again, competition, as I talked about the other day, we're geared towards doing the thing, getting the thing right, succeeding, you know, we have all of these things, and I talked about that not long ago, success as being a progressive realization of a worthy goal or ideal. It's not Success isn't sticking the target. Success is throwing the knives. And it's really an interesting exercise to try to be as exultant and pleased about having your knife hit the target and fall off, or go whistling past the target, or clip the edge of the target and go spinning off into the brush as when it absolutely sticks the target and hits in. But that's kind of our challenge, I think, as human beings. And apparently I'm waxing philosophical lately. But that's what you get for getting me talking about Taoism, you people who never asked me to talk about Taoism. <laughs> um, that's part of our challenge as human beings is learning to appreciate all facets of the world, that it is not only the good in the world that we appreciate, but, you know, and there's a value judgment right there, only the things that make us happy, but also the things that try us are valuable and useful.
that we learn as much or more from missing the target than we do is sticking it. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm just sort of thinking about my process and it has been interesting trying to narrate my process as I'm doing it. And of course, I haven't been feeling good this week, which makes me feel lazy, unfortunately. <laughs> I, um, when I am not working and producing, I tend to feel very lazy, which the people who are close to react to with some incredulity because they see me as not being lazy at all. Um, I think that, I don't know, maybe myself self-conception is, is that I am a fundamentally lazy person and that I'm always working to counteract that. <laughs> oh yeah, that's nice. PNM guy turning right in front of everybody. That's how our electric corporate company works. Actually, it is how they work, isn't it? <laughs> no surprise there. PNM first, first and foremost. Wouldn't be the rider commute without rider coffee commute without a little bit of yelling at other drivers. So, see, that's that's part of the Dow too, right? You know, it's accepting that people are going to turn in front of you, and you know, because we are all in this world together, and we sometimes have conflicting purposes. We all want to get to our destinations, and sometimes me getting to my destination is not compatible with you getting to your destination. Sometimes it is. But that's all part of being with the flow. <clears throat> so, anyway, I feel like I am still in the flow of this book, as I talked about yesterday, that I've been daydreaming a lot. But I do think that trying to find a way to phrase this. Saying that it comes from a lovely place of the Tao where everything flows all the time would be a mischaracterization of, of my own experience. My own experience is often fraught. It's often filled with feeling like I have missed the target. But I also find that most of my thrashing comes in when I am trying to control the thing. When I keep, when I am coming back to wanting to make it be a thing. And a lot of that comes from worrying about what readers will think. And so something I have talked about quite often, and, and I know that there are readers who listen to this too, you know, that we do worry a lot about what, how you will receive things. But it's really important for the writer to be aware that the reader's experience is not the writer's experience. They are very, very different experiences. And it's tempting, it's tempting to think of them as being the same because the end product is so intimately shared. But I think good analogies for this come back to, to many of our analogies about writing. You know, like the analogy of gardening. That 
walking through a blooming, well-tended garden and enjoying that garden, the colors and the way that the petals move in the breeze and the scent, the redolence of roses and lilies blending together and the scent of soil and the sounds of the birds and the bees buzzing through the blossoms and the textures of the gravel path and maybe a leaf that you stroke between your fingers. Those things are about experiencing the finished garden or at least the one that is, you know, a garden's a good example, right, of success that's a progressive realization, right, because a garden is never, still, it's never, a, it's never an end product. It's always in process. But the experience of walking through a garden is nothing like the experience of creating the garden from scratch, right? That involves a whole lot of sweat and grit and digging in the soil and clearing out the rocks and going back and forth to get your supplies and it's your fingernails breaking and your back aching and it's all of the seedlings you plant that don't make it that fail to thrive and then you have to replace them and you know the remembering to come back and tend things that constant tending it's, it's a huge amount of effort on the back end that is not apparent on the other side of enjoying the garden. And yet there are commonalities, right? Uh, the scent of the soil is always there, and it's one of the great delights of working in the garden for me. I love the, the scent of soil and putting my hands in the soil. And I love the experience of taking barren ground and turning it into a blooming rose or what have you. But to conflate the experience of designing the garden and planting the garden and nurturing the garden with walking through the garden, you know, they're, they're totally different things. And that's part of our contract with the reader, in a way, is that the reader does not, excuse me, does not need to be part of the garden building. In many ways, although some of you may be listening to this now, the, it's, it's unfair of us to put the onus of creating and tending the garden on the reader. It would be kind of like, this is why I don't really like it when authors make a big deal about how they should be appreciated and readers should, um, you know, write reviews and buy books and, you know, buy it in this way at this time and all of that. Support the author. You know, it would be kind of funny if you went to tour a garden and the gardener was hanging out by the gates and saying, hey, do you have any idea how much work it took me to make this garden? <laughs> you should support the gardener. If you're going to come here and smell my roses, then you should leave a review of my garden or I won't be able to garden anymore. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm actually terribly amused by this analogy now. Uh, 
Yeah, so that that's why I don't spend a lot of time or effort telling my readers how they should enjoy my books. Because to me, putting my books out there is like putting the Blooming Garden out there. Yes, I really hope that you'll come walk through it. Oh, yeah, that was a really nice choice to pull right out in front of me. This work truck. He looked right at me, saw that I was coming, and then decided to pull right out in front of me. I had to hit my brakes not to hit him. Apparently, it's that kind of day here in Santa Fe. But he must be a gardener, right? He's got shovels in the back of his truck. He's going to go do some work. He's probably not going to stand there and exhort people to appreciate his work. <laughs> so, yeah, adding heavy cream to your half-and-half half latte just makes it really heavy and thick. So... Not a fine choice on my part. So I am nearly to the coffee shop. I'm going to go have writer coffee and then get back and see if I can actually lay down some words on this book. Um, I have a feeling like it's ready for me again. So, you know, maybe I really needed this break. So... You all probably know this already, but first cup of coffee is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. And you can find other podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. And I will talk to you all tomorrow. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>